Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First-Round Nothing, head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast, and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Tales with TR, episode 141B. Today, my guest played on 15 professional hockey teams over the course of more than a two-decade-long career. He scored goals all over the planet and now resides back in Ontario where he's still loosely involved in the game, co-hosting the game sports show. He was a teammate of mine in 2004 at the World Inline Hockey Championship. We'd capture silver that year, faltering to the USA in overtime in the championship game. But more importantly, we've remained close friends to this day where he's back for a visit on Tales with TR. Once again, he is a flashy forward, a speedy skater. A great guy, an interesting Ontarian, a hospitable host, a dapper dad. His knee was once skinned, and he can skate like the wind. In London, we had a blast, and he can skate really fast. He likes milk by the court, and we call him Brooksy for short. We've got like-minded peers, and have tipped back some beers. I like eggs with my toast, and he's a good talk show host. He likes beef ragu and spends time in the Sioux. Oh, my, my, he's a good-looking guy. Folks! If you like to fish, you like dealing with hooks, and please welcome to the show my pal Brendan Brooks. How are you, Brooksy? Good, good. I like that, eh? I, I, that's an interesting intro. I've never had something like that before. Certainly it is because you deserve it, my friend. Now tell us what you're up to. You're retired for how many years now, and you're living up in Sault Ste. Marie. Am I right? You're co-hosting the game, and what else are you doing? I'm doing that and, uh, you know, I'm coaching my kids, helping out when I can and just uh, enjoy, enjoying the winter down here. Kids and how old are your kids? The uh, twin boys, they're six. I see. So coaching must be, that's, uh, <laughs> when you're coaching six-year-old, there's, there's not many days you leave the rink with a, with a frown on your face. Oh, no, it's pretty wild. And uh, just seeing uh, they're so different, which is amazing to watch. And uh, I see a lot of myself in them. Uh, so it's kind of exciting just to see uh, see them going through it all. So are you going to be there when we're shooting Shorzy? I'll be up there in uh, late March. Yeah, I will be. I'm definitely going to come down and uh, see you down there for sure. Now, this time will be a different flavor because we can move around. It was it was nice seeing you last time. and uh, But... People ask me what I think of Subray. I'm like, well, I, you know, I liked it. And, and and the places that, you know, in the show, like, uh, I don't know, I, the doghouse. I, I went there for beers, but it was the pandemic. There wasn't much on the go, and it was only 50%. You couldn't really get up and dance, whatever those rules were. I don't want to revisit them even mentally, but it was a different flavor. So now this time, and it's going to be, you know, we'll be there in May. So I'd say the weather will be a little bit better. Yeah, we'll have to live it up. we got to make up for the uh, last year so. I want to come down there too. I, uh, I've only gone out in the Sioux a couple times and you weren't there, but I had a good time. Um, so I plan on, we're not, we're not shooting every single day either, right? Like Sue's not that far, is it? Like how far to suburb? Uh, Sue's about three hours, three and a half hours. Okay. So well doable. Uh, you know, I wouldn't mind, you know, taking it all in, I, I don't know whatever the locals do. I, I, I want to check out, uh, you know, I'm not a hunter, 
per se, but I don't know. I hear there's a lot of hunting in the area. I might want to go on and maybe uh, piggyback one of those journeys. Well, there's lots to do, you know. Like a lot of people here do a lot of hiking and uh, snowshoeing and snowshoeing. Yeah, like I'd love that. to go snowshoeing. So it's big. Yeah, I could take you there. I could take you on a few trails that I've learned over the years. That would be perfect. I'm a I'm a wuss of a hunter. I've never actually <laughs> shot anything. I don't know if I could. I'm not. I'm not being a hypocrite from the from the point of view that I wouldn't eat an animal. Um, I'm just saying, it's it's hard for me to look. I don't know. There's moose here. We, have, you know, I, I I I eat it. I I buy it from my friends or accept it as gifts. I have. I love moose stew. You know, I I, I just can't get there uh, to, to pull the trigger and kill an animal. So I know that sounds probably like a big wuss move to, to most of Northern Ontario, especially Newfoundlanders, but that's just me. But uh, I probably like the snowshoeing. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I've never shot a gun either and I don't plan to, so uh, I'm not a big hunter. So we'll definitely steer from that. Okay. What about fishing? Now, do, do you, is there any ice fishing on the go up there? Oh, there's all kinds of stuff. You know, I, I live on the water right here. You can fish off my uh, patio right here if you feel like it. So really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I guess it'll be March that late March, then April, May, so probably uh, ice fishing would be out. Not that I prefer yeah. it. I just figure well, why. You can do real grow. fishing then if you feel like it. I'm I not a big fisherman, but uh, you know what? It's all yours. I'll set you up with a rod. Well, I enjoy it. I'm not, you know what, Brooksy? A, a few years ago, a few, six or seven now, everything's a few, you know, so the better part of a decade ago, I uh, I just taught my, I, I lived on a pond. Uh, I guess you'd call it up there, like, and uh I just taught myself. I went to YouTube, but I mean, I grew up. I did a little bit of. Uh, oops. I did a little bit of fishing growing up with my buddy Jeremy Charles. He'd usually rig it all up for me, and uh, I enjoyed. I enjoyed going with Jeremy, but in in my recent years, I enjoy just doing it, just to escape. I, I you know, I. How would I put it? It's inspiring. If I'm like writing a book or I've got a big podcast or a speech or something coming up, I go out and I do that for smoke a joint, maybe have a beer or <laughs> two. the only way to do it. Maybe do that. Yeah. Bring out something, yeah. especially have a cook up or something. Now fishing is usually secondary, yeah. but around here you do, you do catch some, some decent. Well, the funny thing for me, like back in the day in training, we had a, I grew up, uh, my parents had a cottage uh, in Muskoka area. So I didn't like to fish, but my dad did. And uh, we used to, he used to put me in the paddle boat, put his feet up, and I would paddle him around the lake for hours. And it would turn into part of my training. It was, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun to do the father-son thing, but I just I never got into fishing. So I just said, hey, I'll take you around, and I would just paddle all day and take, a, take him around while he trolled. It was pretty fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that does sound all right. You see – for me, the uh, that's all I need to do. That's why I could go on the hunting trip. I just uh, I wouldn't really want to, be, but I, I I totally would enjoy being out there. I sometimes I like golfing. I find it really peaceful. But I, I suck at golf, and I don't really long to do it. But once we get out there, like I'm going to a charity tournament, a few of them this summer. I won't even mind just walking around with the guys. I like the outdoors. That's they, what it's all about. Eh? It's it just, is really, you know, like I've I, often. I, who can't tell you the score, how you hit? It's about the laughs and uh, all that stuff that comes with it. Yeah, man, totally. It's uh, more of a break for the mind. Uh, okay, um, you know what? I got a bunch of questions written down. Written, <clears throat> written down. Yeah, some people send me some, uh, you know, feedback. I suppose, for lack of, of a way to put it, in question form, statement form. People know each other. Uh, it, the, the hockey community is small, so I put together a bunch of questions for you and I. Now, for those that want to hear about Brooksy's career in chronological order somewhat uh when were you on brooksy a year and a half ago uh yeah do you remember you were on my podcast i don't know it was it was before if we're at 141b it was before episode 100 i will uh you know i'll actually yeah, I think so i can't remember we've done so many things over the years i can't remember <laughs> yeah i know i can't either but you guys check for it it's back there brendan brooks and anyway we'll talk a little bit about your career but i'm also going to get into some general questions that my listeners had for me and maybe a guest not knowing who it would have been and you're as good as any by the way how long have you been co-hosting the game uh i've done it for about three and a half years three four years and can people find that online 
Yeah, anywhere. Apple, Spotify, anything. Anywhere you look. YouTube. Uh, we just started, got the YouTube going now. So it's, uh, yeah, it's the game sports show. And uh, yeah, it's doing really well. And we've had some great guests like yourself. And uh, we're going to keep it going. Do you enjoy that? I do. It kind of keeps keeps me feeling like I'm a part of something with the game. Like, you know, like yeah. in the sport. And uh, I really miss the dressing room. I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way. And, yeah. uh you know, when you get to, you know, talk to guys like yourself and uh, you get to find out, you know, more about them, even more than when you played with them. And uh, I, I've really enjoyed that part of it. And what's with the mustache? I don't know. I just uh, changed her up, you know. Okay, I, I like it. I just I've had one. I've never really had one. And, uh, you know, I guess now that I'm getting older, I can grow one. It took me forever. I don't think I had much facial hair in my uh, all my 20s. So uh, it's time. You know. Uh, what 2004 i guess you would have been yeah you would have you were in your mid-20s and it looked i remember not even thinking you could ever grow facial hair so you were late in the game honestly <laughs> I, was, I, was a late, I was late to arrive for sure you had a baby face but fuck you were a rocket how did you get into in line i mean most of the guys on that team played professional in line now i i we were locally here we had a we had a league that was just real 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 good and i knew darren colburn who knew who knew mark wolf who got me onto that team. I didn't really deserve it. All the other guys had put in years and years of professional uh, inline hockey. How about you? I don't think you did. Yeah, you? like So for me, uh, it, I got into it really, when rollerblades first came out. Like Me and my buddies would play like street roller hockey for hours and hours, and I loved it. And then uh, in uh, southern Ontario, they started a, a roller hockey league, and in my town, called the Ni we were called Niagara Panthers. And we started this league, there was this league that started and I was like, you know what? I want to be a part of it. And, uh, we got paid <laughs> like it was yeah. crazy. I was getting every game I pit played. I got, I made quite a bit of money and, uh, and then it went from there. Then we started to go to tournaments and then I got seen by mission and then, uh, they brought me on board to their pro team. And that's where I ended up with Jerry St. Cyr, Mike Hunt, Wolfie, all these guys, uh, Hugo Belanger, like all these, you know, in line, like superstar guys. And I was just the baby on the team. And then, where was uh, this team? Uh, the team was, uh, well, it was based, at, we went to tournaments all over. So um, it was oh, Rink Rat and Mission. I think they, you know, they were joined up. So it was Team Rink Rat. And uh, I don't think we lost a game for like years and years of tournament, like so many, but it was pretty much our team Canada team as well. I see. And uh, yeah, it was fun. It was, you know what? I had a lot of fun playing ice hockey, but m the most fun I ever had was playing roller hockey, these tournaments. I tell you, I, that was, I look back, I don't know what happened there, man. Lightning in a bottle for me because we did have a really competitive local league. I mean, all the all the players. Um, I don't know. We had Ryan Clow and Teddy Purcell on my team, and we lost. Like we, you know, it was it was real intense. But still, I had really no business. I don't know how I got onto that team. I don't. But because you guys again playing, I, I didn't realize you played pro as well. But when I got there, um, I remember just you know because I'd never played on an anything stage. It was just St. John's, just Newfoundland. Mm -hmm. So when I got there and realized, the, and they were like, the, this is the best in the world. And it was so much fun, except we played with a level of offsides. It was a little different. But at that tournament, for people that don't know, Brooksy and I played the world championships together in 2004. It was in London, Ontario. I should have mentioned that, um, bad host. And uh, anyway, we, um, we went and we, we stayed at the University of Western Ontario, so we, we stayed in the dorms there and we spent a week and a half together and it was a lot of guys, a lot of legends, like he just mentioned. I knew a lot of them. I'd heard stories, but it was nice to all play on the one team. And Brooksy, do you remember what happened? We made the final against USA. And do you remember what the outcome and how it all went down? Oh, I remember. You know what I mean? Uh, those are things you don't forget. This and, was just uh, one of the biggest heartbreaks of my life too. I know. I couldn't believe it. Uh, you know, I think we were the we were definitely the favorite going in, and uh, you know the U.S. team they play roller. A lot of those guys, a lot of them didn't play ice hockey, so they played roller hockey all year round. Like I'd say, ninety percent of their team, and uh, so that's all they were doing. And we brought the ice hockey style to the game, and uh, 
yeah. know, we got in a little bit of penalty trouble in the final and because uh, we beat them in the uh, round robin, I think, pretty easy. I think we, you know. Pretty fucking easy, dude. I mean, yeah. fuck. I thought it was, look, I'm not going to say I thought we were going to definitely win it. It might, okay, I would never said that out loud, but yes, I did in my head think that. Yeah, uh, with, think without being cocky either, without like going out there and, and I'm not saying that I counted my chickens. It was just the odds said we were, we had the puck 80% of the game. And so for people that don't know, it's four on four, no hitting, but there was a, more physical action than you would have thought. And, um, but there's no offsides though. You can just, you can put a guy right down by the other net if you want. So, the whole game, like it, it's really opened up because people can skate wherever, and you can make, you know, a hail mary, and, and there be a scoring chance in in three seconds from nothing at the other end of the rink. But anyway, in this particular game, we were really, really outplaying them. And anyway, we made, we made it in overtime, and it was a fluke goal. It was a complete fluke goal. Do you remember what happened? Yeah, I think it was just a dump in, was it not? It was a, it was a dump in, and our goalie came out to play it, and when he went to shoot, it like it just kind of rolled under his stick. And, yeah, and, it, it was just, and I couldn't believe it. And uh, I still, even though that happened, I still thought we were going to tie it up. You know, I think we had so many chances after that. You're right. You're yeah. right. That was with the, that was late in the game. And did we ever? We bombarded the net. I remember looking down and seeing all those names, like you said, Wolf and Saint Cyr. Uh, oh God, there were Victor Gervais was out there, and I, you know, I'd read about these guys. They were all in the Western League, like eight nine years before I was and, and uh, even less, I guess. And, and they were legends and I'm looking and seeing like, this is who's got it for us. They, they've got, and it was boom, boom, boom. It was post. It was off the glass. Must've been 10 shots in the last minute. And uh, we just couldn't pull the trigger, but what an absolute blast of a time. That's one of the funnest tournaments of any kind that I've ever played. Yeah, like, you know, I I know we didn't win it, but uh, you would have thought we won it after, that's for sure. <laughs> Can you believe it's almost 20 years ago? No. Dude, I in, can't. In, in a year from now. It feels now, like yesterday, you know, to me. And I, 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 those things just, I don't know, It's they stay so close. It's almost as if it follows me. And because uh, it, it was such a great memory and so fun and no worries. And it was just... A great time. I know, uh, you know, I mean, obviously there's rules in place now, I think, because of that that team we had. So, <laughs> yeah, well, we're in the dorm too. Remember that? Oh, God. We, yeah. So, it, uh, yeah. yeah, you would have thought we won the whole darn thing. but And they uh, had the girls and the guys. Didn't they have us all on the same level? They did. What were they, they thinking there? They weren't thinking. Girls and guys of Team Canada all on the same wing, on the same level. Yeah, I think it changed now. I, I'm, from what I hear, you know, um, I don't think any guys and girls teams are ever allowed to stay on the same floor. I wouldn't think. I mean, it was so <laughs> it much loud back then. If I look, I wouldn't even want to be a stickler, but if I'm a coach, I'm going, there's no way that like, that was so much fun though. I'm so oh, glad yeah. we got to do it. Great group of guys. All you know, I mean, they're all respectful. I, I stayed in touch with almost all the guys and, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, they're just good human beings, good, good husbands, good dads. It's just, uh, they're just good people. And I'm so glad I got to be a part of it with them. Okay. Brooksy. So put yourself you're a huge Washington Capitals fan, okay? In this world, you're a huge Washington Capitals fan. Do you think, do you want, you got one of these two things can happen, not both. Either Ovi scores the most goals ever or they win another Stanley Cup. What do you think you'd want? Uh, for me, I, I, I take uh, the Stanley Cup. And... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's the, you know what I mean? Uh, am I still Canadian, <laughs> even though I'm this Washington fan? Because if I'm Canadian, I don't want them to break it. Even oh, if I am true, a huge fan. True. Even if you are, you know what? Spoken like spoken like a true overall hockey fan. You know what? Yeah, you you, you simply don't want them to break it, but I want the Caps to win, of course. Absolutely. Two things can be true. Two things, two, both of those things can be true. With, with a lot of teams... That would be a rarity. But, yeah, if you were a true hockey fan and you loved Wayne Gretzky, hey, good answer. The draft age in the NHL, do you think it should be heightened, meaning older? I definitely think it should be at least another year older, personally. Because the change – like, think about all the – for sure, think about the guys that you have played with that 
uh, actually had you know been drafted before, but then there's some guys that kind of develop a little bit later. And some of those young guys that were so good at a young age, they kind of changed and they never even made, like I, I remember playing with guys who scored over 60 goals in the O and, you know, they never really made it. And yeah. uh, anywhere, like, you know, they struggled in the A and uh, um, I think that's, you know, I think that extra year for even more guys to come up, I think the, the draft would be even stronger. I think so too. And I'll tell you this, like, like it worked for me, but I remember this happening. Like I was, I mean, I was brought out West when I was 14. I got drafted third overall in the Western league. Okay. So I, I was a blue chip prospect and I'm, there's no level of boasting here. This is just fact. So I went to the tri city Americans and I felt, I felt, you know, and it's true. I, I could, not that I did, but I could have maybe a bit weaker of a camp and still make it because they, you know, they knew they were looking at my, what I've done. And I'd led my junior team in scoring as a 14 year old and 15 year old. So I went in with that, with a level of expectancy attached to my name, which sometimes hurts you and sometimes helps you and it helps you in, in getting the benefit of the doubt of making, making the team. Mm-hmm. But the first year, I remember I had 33 points, 176 penalty minutes. In 61 games and I that was even for where I went that was a little bit of a disappointment I thought it was a solid year but when the draft I remember the rankings started coming out in the summertime and I believe maybe I was rated in the third round at the beginning uh, a possible second so I remember the year started okay yeah. I was a centerman my first year I was a centerman when I left so I I'd, I'd played three years now 14 15 16 and junior as a centerman but Damon Lankow was a better skater. He really was. But now we're both in our draft year because Lanks has a, has a late birthday. So, meaning he'd had two years in the league, I had one. And, but now I'm, I'm looking at it, and I remember Bob Lauk saying, coming to me, and he said, you know, you're just not as good of a skater as Damon. It's straight ahead, I was powerful. I was real fast. But his agility was second to none in the draft. So I went wing, and it kind of made sense because Damon was a little smaller and he would really start a lot of shit. And I, I fought and I learned that, you know, I was a pretty good fighter for, so I, I was a good fit because I, I was a passer ahead of a shooter and I could pick up for guys like Lanks. He was a perfect mix. And I had, we, we just happened to bond. We were both in our draft year. I remember four hat tricks in the first 16 games. I end with 50 goals. So I go eighth overall and I'm, you know, I, I'd lived up to expectations, but I remember thinking, you know, I had to change my position. Like, and, and if I had stayed second line center, even though, again, I wouldn't have cared. I would have done whatever the coach wanted me to do. But that probably wouldn't have happened. So there was a level of fortune to it. And then I was like, you know, later in my career, when I got injured almost every year, I realized I'm like, fuck, man, good thing I didn't get injured in my draft year. Then I was like, good thing I got put with good billets, you know, like no one really knew. Good thing that they were good. Otherwise, my head would have been thrown off. Good thing I didn't have a girlfriend. And I was like crazy in love and it was in my head. Everything went right. And it's not sometimes it's not even so much someone improving. Like my my roommate, BJ Young, who ended up passing away. I mean, people know that story. But BJ was like definitely as good. At, he just didn't get any. And he was like a little bit lazy. He needed to grow up sort of thing. So I often think like. If nothing else, the extra year, because it's only you're a major junior at 16, 17, then that's it. You're drafted after your 17 year old year. You might be 18, but you start the year as a 17 year old. You know, you're in high school. So I often thought the if it was 18 or 19, then I just think everything would even out. Like, it's not like I went back and had a bad year the next year, but BJ caught a good coach that liked him and had yeah. 58 goals. Right. And then all of a sudden, Josh Green came on the scene. And Aginla went from being, like, real good to, like, holy fuck, that's Jerome Aginla. Well, of course, because Darcy Tucker's in the NHL now, and now he's on the first line. He was no different, right? Iggy worked at it. But I often, I know that was a long way to put it, but, you know, there's so much that goes on. Like, you know, some people don't make it at 16 because they break their leg. And then... Well, yeah, but I also don't understand is when they're 20, you know, I mean, you're allowed to play junior till you're 20, so you have all these years before most, I'd say 90% of the guys leave after yeah. that. You know what I mean? They don't go at 18. It's a very, you know, rare thing that an 18 year old is going straight to the NHL. That happens totally you know, once every couple of years. Yeah, 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 exactly. And when, 
when it it's also like these guys, it's not like it's a shit league. Like these people are coming back and playing. Like I, I always wondered. Like people go, oh man, like, like what's his name, Shane Wright? Mm-hmm. They almost look down on it that he's going back. I'm like, it's pretty good though. You'll get a bit of confidence. Like Junior isn't this cesspool of mediocrity. There's a lot of great players in Junior. You can really develop, right? So if someone, I don't give a fuck what year they're in. If someone puts the puck into the net in Major Junior 40 times, 50 times, 60 times in a year. I don't give it's a amazing. fuck. They're they get, it's, it's, it's all, and they always end up being, you know what I mean? Rarely mm-hmm. do you see <laughs> that level of hands in junior just turn into nothing. Now, they might, like Aaron Ashim, they might assume a different role because they have it to give. But, you know, if you give Ash the puck, I mean, like in the A, I mean, he scored 20 or 30 goals a year. I mean, it's, you know, he's a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so growing up, I noticed, I mean, I, I watched the game real closely. If it was anything that I really was fascinated or I wanted to improve on, which was rarely skating, but it was in front of the net. So two guys that I loved watching in front of the net, tip pucks in and whatnot, were Tim Kerr. He played on Philadelphia for the most part, at least in my mind, he's playing for Philadelphia. Uh, he, he was an impact player, big guy, shot right. He would stand in front of the net, tip a lot of them in. And on the Montreal Canadiens, there was, uh, during all that, you know, they won it in 86. They won it again in 93. In the late 70s, they won four or five in a row. So, you know, for a 15-year span there, the Canadians are challenging for it. Or still, they're still the mighty Canadians in the 80s. And one of their best players, I thought, that never gets any credit whatsoever. You'll hear everybody else's name before his. His name was Bobby Smith. And Bobby Smith in front of the net could tip pucks in. He was a magician at it. He got 20 to 30 a year. And I bet you half of those... We're just standing there in front. He was smart. Uh, he was strong, and he would tip pucks in. Whoa. Who did you come across? In the minors, it would have been Kevin Smith, Ryan's brother. He was good at that, big guy. Did you come across anybody in your career that was exceptional at net front presence like that? Oh, that was before. Well, you know, I, I ended up signing an NHL contract there with the Red Wings in 2006, and that Holmstrom was there. Ah, and ah wow. Great so one of the best and you know just to watch him in practice and after practice he was like just doing it all the time and you know i i was still i think i was i had just turned 26 there when i signed with them and you know i was you know just trying to figure out you know you know that's all he i felt like he was doing always after you know i mean everybody else works on things but that's what he was doing and then when you see him in a game it's phenomenal. And he's not an overly big guy. No, he's actually more. The, the two guys I mentioned are, like, much bigger than myself. So, my, you know, it, it, they were role models, but to some degree I couldn't really get to where they were. They were just bigger. But Holmstrom, he's fascinating. You're right. He's one of the best ever at the position, and he's not 6'5", 250. You know, he's no looks to be average, like looks to be around. Yeah, he, he was just so good at screening them. I, I, you know, I mean, I can't imagine the amount of goals that just happened to, you know, go off him from a point shot and stuff, but he was just so good at it. And, uh, you know what I mean? I kind of, as my career went on and I went over to overseas, I started to do that like a lot more. And I noticed a huge difference, you know, like, you know how everyone growing up, go to the net, go to the net. You know what I mean? I would yeah. go to the net and stay there a little extra longer just because of what I saw Holmstrom do. That is fascinating. And it really does, you know, people often ask me, um, you know, I get this question, like, what was it like, you know, to practice in the NHL? What was it like? It's hard to really say what it was like, but I was absorbing like a sponge. Like that stuck with you, right? So you just said, your big success in your career is overseas and becoming, you really, really solidified yourself as an international player, one of the best overseas. And you're telling me directly that watching him, you know, so at some point you were a kid coming up and watched that and it helped you right into your 30s. And I say that all the time. I'm like, you know, it's hard for me to say what it was like. What was it like? Well, the biggest thing I can say is that, you know, I've, the players were teaching me really more subconsciously than the coach was. Like, I, w- I would look and go, wow, Saku Koivu, what's he going to do? You know, and each little thing he did, I, c- I can, you know, take something from those stars. Even they didn't even have to be stars. Turner Stevenson, 
I couldn't believe when I was first watched him. I'm like, fuck, he can barely skate, man. Like, you know, how is he out here? And then mm-hmm. those little things like net front and, and in the wall and in the corner. It's like, ah, oh, I see. There's more to it. Um, what other sports do you watch? What would be your second favorite? Uh, for watching, you know what? I love football. I've, I've, uh, I've actually never been to a game live, but on TV, I could, I, I really love football. And I, I know I'm in all of these pools and betting and fantasies, and I'm sure that helps, but uh, I really enjoy watching football on TV. Well, it's a chicken or egg thing. I'm in those. I'm in those two now. But those kind of just helped me get in touch. It was years and years before I really, really bought in, and I was like, you know, we don't play it here much, especially in Newfoundland. And you know, it's one day a week, and fuck, and these guys think they're tough with sixteen fucking games, and we play eighty-four. <laughs> almost that, or two. I, I almost had my backup, but once I embraced it and and started really following the storylines. But if it wasn't for, um the betting that I wouldn't really know the rules. That's what got me into it because I'm forced now to, to know that, especially when the games like the in game betting, yeah, yeah. It, it'll like give you the option of what you think is going to happen. So once I bit and I went in, I became all in. So I, I really, really enjoy it now a lot. Uh, who do you, who do you got for the Super Bowl? Oh man. I mean, I had, uh, I had Mahomes in my fantasy as my quarterback. So, yeah. you know what I mean? I think, uh, I think if it all depends if he's healthy. If he's healthy, man, I think uh, he could. They they always have a chance. That's exactly but, what I said. And yeah, anyway, keep going. No, but I just but I think as a you know team versus team right now, I I think Philly's the 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 better team. That seems to be the consensus, and that's where like I don't know enough about defensive formations and everything else. I can hear what people assume, and yeah, yeah. I, I I'm. Everything I'm reading is saying that the Eagles are just overall such a solid team, an eight out of ten or more in everything. And Mahomes is Mahomes, but they're a little weaker when it comes to depth. Now, I'm with you though. Like whenever there's someone like that, that that's not the hurt. This is this is Mahomes. You know, he's really the only. He's one of the only athletes with that kind of cachet out there right now. And I don't know, those kind of guys get in a situation. I know it's not just the quarterback, but I hate betting against greatness. And I'm here. I still don't have the bet made, but I yeah, think, it's, uh, you know what I mean? I think you're like flipping a coin right now with it, mm-hmm. with this game coming up. But, uh, you know, f- the, the way Philly, uh, you know, won the semifinal, you know, pretty easy. I think, you know, they're looking pretty good there. But I mean, that was a bit tainted. Yeah, a little bit. With all the injuries, but yeah, I mean, I, I see. But they've they, didn't they go sixteen and three? I think both teams might have. Yeah, um, they, uh, yeah, for sure. I think that's what it was. I think they did, but I don't know. The Eagles all year didn't really. It seems to me, since like week four or five, it's the Eagles to lose. Like they, and and that sounds. That sounds like I'm an Eagles fan. I'm not either. I, I don't mind them. I, th- I respect them. I kind of want to see Mahomes because I, I think this guy could challenge Brady. It, it's tough, man. Brady, just think about this, man. He has more Super Bowls than the next team. He has seven. And then the Patriots, all with him, have six. Yeah. But Super Bowls. It's, it's yeah. not like hockey where like the Canadians got 24. I mean, Super Bowls all together. Tom Brady has more than any team has. Yeah, it's like, phenomenal. It, it's almost like how could you possibly do it in a 32 to you could you Mahomes could be Mahomes, you could be the best, but how many times it's just gonna get to that game, you're gonna get into the game. You could be the best by a landslide, but at some point an upset happens. And then outside of that, injuries happen, and then you know it's gonna happen in the moment. And for someone to get seven, I, I don't know. Yeah, if there's it's a person amazing. out there that could do it, it's Mahomes. And that's why I wouldn't want to bet against somebody that's challenging for that kind of greatness uh, in, in a Super Bowl. But anyway, I've, I've spoken too much on the subject. What do you think Eric Carlson's going to do? Do you think he's going to repeat this kind of year? Or is he going to go back into a funk? What do you do with that? It's so funny you asked that because uh, I was talking about it just recently with somebody. And uh, I think the problem was with him in San Jose for so long with Burns. They're the identical player who always want the puck and to have them together before, I think it kind of held him back a bit. And I know, I think he had some injuries too, but now that he's on his own, he's the guy again. What a difference. 
in his confidence in his game. That is a great take, my friend, because, yeah, I was going, is this, what's going on? Like, you know, because I didn't think of that. And I should have because Burns shoots right as well. Like, they're they're playing the exact same. Identical. Identical. Not even like it's a left shot D. He's he's playing yeah. D, but he's play, he's taking all that space and yeah. So and, all, and they're both number one power play guys. They're both. You know what I mean? Like it. Well, it took just, I hope there's more in the tank because if I'm a team, you know, I, it, the way the salary cap is structured, I mean, he probably won't get traded, right? But that would come into my mind, even even if it wasn't. If I was going to trade for a guy that makes that kind of loot, that's going to take that up that much of a. a, a cap hit on my team i'd want to at least want to get the real eric carlson and i'm going what happened but yeah. that gives me encouragement depends that on what you got there depends, depends on who's on, there yeah. you know like you i don't think you can send them to the uh rangers with fox i don't think you you can't yeah. send them to nashville with Yot- like you gotta find yeah. a team that really needs them fuck you're uh, right well that- based on that question alone you'd be a great gm are you ready for the biggest sunday in sports DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57, has all the Super Bowl action you need. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get in on the Super Bowl 57 excitement with DraftKings Happy Hour Super Boosts. Check the DraftKings Sportsbook app every day between 3 p.m. Pacific and 6 p.m. Pacific to see what prop bet will be boosted. So, what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on Super Bowl 57 and get 200 in bonus bets instantly. Again, that's promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 57. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. This time of year, everyone's talking about making big changes, which is all well and good, but most of the time, pretty unrealistic. You've probably found that the smallest changes to your routine can actually make the biggest impact. In the same way, you don't have to break the bank to make a big deal purchase. Even the smallest things can be part of a big change if it's something you use every day, just like Raycon earbuds. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can build great habits without breaking the bank. Whether you're looking for a pair of everyday earbuds, low-latency gaming headphones, or a speaker with a battery that will last all night at your next party, Raycon's got you covered. And yep, Raycon started half the price of other premium audio brands. That means you don't have to choose between products. You can get one of each, or a pair and a spare, and still pay less than you would with some of the other guys. Even if you know you'll love your Raycons, Raycon wants to make sure you feel great about your purchase. They offer buy now, pay later options, and every purchase has an easy and free return guarantee. Ready to buy something small with a big impact? Go to buyraycon.com THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. Again, that's buyraycon.com THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com THPN. What's your favorite all-star game memory? Not that you played in. I mean, okay. someone asked uh, me, I don't know. I like big ally of He's a friend of mine to this day. Oh, so yeah. probably when he did that and broke the record. And yeah, uh, that, that, those days, I think the, the old days are always great for me. I used to love when they had those old, the old jerseys, the old Campbell jerseys uh, with Gretzky and Lemieux playing there. And yeah, like, I just love it. Just have a just, game. What's wrong with it? it yeah. People go, well, the game wasn't intense. But if you go look back and look at it, it was five on five. And at least they were halfway trying. They really were like yeah. what we consider intense now. Like yeah. that all-star game back then, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. Now, I, honestly, I only found out Kachuk at the MVP. Um. Yeah. Yesterday, I I didn't even. I just purposely said I'm not watching this. I don't anymore. mind the three on three because I think it's exciting when they go to overtime. I love it. I it actually, could be exciting if they were skating. It's exactly. Not even, it's not even like they're 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 not. It's one thing not to hit. It's one thing not to skate. A hundred percent. They're not even going twenty percent. It's like yeah. how guys go out there and try to show me what you got with your absolute minimal effort. Their feet are barely mm-hmm. moving. 
I, you know, but I, no, I agree. But I think that, you know, I mean, as the, in the final, once they, you know, the, the little yeah. round Robin thing they do the final game, you know, I think that always the second period in the last eight minutes with a million dollars on the line, it's still a million bucks was split between whatever. I t- honestly, is. I didn't even, I don't know. Cause I don't watch that level. So maybe yeah, I'm pretty sure they get a million bucks, uh, the winning team and, uh, you know, whether it goes to charity or whatever, it's, I don't know. You remember when you bet in practice back in the day when you're doing uh, yeah. team versus team, like red versus white? I mean, you want to win. Yeah, no, that that was the best, you know, credit. A full year, I was a black ace in Montreal, man. I played four games since they were all year. And, but, the, but that, but again, not to knock them, that was the plan. They just wanted me to practice with the team rather than send me back to junior. And they did send me back in February at the deadlines, but, but I was up there for say five months well into the summer. So, and Yvonne Cormoyer and Steve shut who both played, they were assistant coaches, both played. They're both in the fucking hall of fame. So it was great to go in with, but, but their philosophy was, you know, not because we would get bag skated every day, but that the way they did it, just make two teams, you know, I don't know me, Matt Higgins, Brad Brown against Aaron Asham, Boyd Olson, and oh god scott king right and we'd put money down and just play for two hours and be fucking bagged not only that you know it was pretty good you know a lot of one-on-one like we weren't gonna fucking half-ass it with their nhl coaches there so you know it wasn't easy to like track darcy tucker you know and found (laughs) you know our our feet our foot speed got better it was great practice i still you know and in junior i think that would have been like we would have got bag skated and maybe that would have been a little part of it. But I mean, for hours and hours and hours each day, and we were in fucking unbelievable shape. And credit to Von Cormier and Steve Shutt. Yeah. And you're right. We went fucking hard. Now, we, I think we maybe might have put 500 bucks. That was the NHL then. It was cheddar. We might have put money on the line between us. Me and Tux always did. We came to blows a couple times. <clears throat> um, just uh, for your... Trivia here, trivia. What year do you think helmets became mandatory in the NHL? Oh, my God. Helmets mandatory for the first time. I'm going to say, I don't know why. This seems like I'm going to guess a number that's probably later than it actually was, but I'm going to say like 93. No, 79. Oh, my Uh, God. I was way off. But I don't know why I thought it was later. I'll I tell you think why. About, uh, what's the D man? Uh, yeah, but listen, but listen, listen. This is the trick part of it. I think you're more. You're thinking how long did people wear? They became mandatory in '79 for anybody new. So oh, okay, yeah. So in the '79, it would have been mandatory for rookies. Trick question. What a team. You got me. Um, the last player. I didn't mean to make a trick. I just realized <laughs> the last player was 1997. Now, I can't imagine that. Just imagine 97. People were opting. Well, my mind, who was it? I played against the Leafs. Dave Ellett played a little bit with no helmet. He was there, fucking gray hair on him. That was weird. Um, I guess Craig McTavish would have been playing. Yeah, McTavish, yeah. Brad Marsh. There were players into the 90s, but that's what I don't get. Like, it's it fascinates me that Hockey went as long as it did with goalies wearing no mask and by extension, players wearing no helmet. Like, come on. Like once the play once the puck is being raised, like oh. Bobby Hall, all right. Well, even that like the sticks were good. Then they had the two pieces then. You could hand yeah. make that puck like, you know, I can, You're looking at footage from like nineteen thirty five. I can see it, although still a helmet you would think that it would come in earlier. Like someone fell and hit their head. But anyway, you know, for the sake of like even a hat, like it's just wild. But like, um, like in the nineties, like you're talking Chris Pronger and I don't know, Al McInnes and it's no different, you know, it's, I guess it's a little different now with the composites, but you know, this there's okay. What's the difference in 90 odd and a hundred odd? Like, you know, sticks were curved. It's hitting, yeah pads goalies are going down it's coming up like just as many pucks i would think went off the glass and you're skating around like you know that's my lifetime that's me out there like i played in 95 my first exhibition game i can't imagine skating around with no helmet on how the fuck did they do it i don't know i definitely uh i definitely love the no visor though and i know that's going off topic. i love I no to- no no it's not i love the no visor 
they uh i always think about it because uh, i used to I've, i i don't know how many years i played pro before i went had went to the half shield but my first four four or five years four years or five years i wore nothing and it was awesome you know what i've thought i went into montreal camp and i took that visor off well i never put it on i've never felt so free and liberated and when i went onto the ice the first thing i thought after doing just like two or three drills was wow can i ever see more out here like because no matter what it's not just the visor it's where it gets screwed onto your helmet in the in the side you know what i mean like yeah. so there's a little tiny part of your peripheral vision that's gone with the visor yeah. i don't care and people say well you know crosby can still pass and i know that i'm not saying that the best can't and it's still relative you can still i can still, still make crosby. it peripheral <laughs> it's still there i can still make but all i know is that i got a little bit better of a vision with it off and to me it was freeing i felt immediately like a better player i was like wow i can see so much more i loved it and oh, i loved me, it for fighting too i loved it for better. like getting scrapping and like you didn't have to worry about you didn't have to worry about the helmet getting it off first so you don't cut your hand wide open on the visor no and even and though i used to all. punch people with the visors yeah, even, but no but we, we you do though in the heat of the moment you do and then even with fighting with the visor on I, I was like it sometimes it would choke me or yeah. i would get it, would it come in down like mine used to come down on me and like hit, get me like yeah so it, I... it'd cut you like you know the, it, the, it'd come down on you and then it'd be like laying on your face so it'd end up cutting your cheek at the bottom or your lip you know what i mean like i got mm -hmm. cut more with the visor on because the visor was like a knife on my face and someone's pounding it but if it comes down like i can kind of adjust my helmet I can kind of use my arm. I just have, I just rather it. I know. And I hate to, <clears throat> I'm not, to me, it wasn't even a decision. Like, you know, some people would go, uh, you think that that's promoting like reckless play, maybe, but especially those first few years, I like a, a 10 out of 10. It was like, what? Why are you going to put a visor on? Like, I would get mad at the trainer. Well, everybody's starting to go with, but I'm like, fuck off. I was that adamant against it, but at some point you put it on. Didn't you get one in the face? I know you did oh, the end of your career. Oh yeah, the uh, yeah two I, yeah 2012. I took a Christoph Schubert, who was my teammate on the power play. His slap shot. I don't know if you remember Christoph Schubert from uh, I Ottawa Senators, a big D man. Anyways, he was my line mate, and he took a slapper and it hit me square in the face. And uh, yeah, that's a big one. It was in left field. Yeah, it was bad. That was the big bad. one you showed you you taught, told yeah, me about I, when we ate last year. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a nasty one, and uh, yeah, with yeah. something like that happened, of course, you know, I'd probably put it on. But I had a visor on. Really, right underneath it, it came around and right underneath it, so it didn't really matter. Wow. Yeah. Do you think the visor helped it to go? Oh, probably. It probably saved my vision. So that's mm -hmm. a beautiful thing. <laughs> so uh, I think that's where it came in. You know what I mean? those anomaly moments. But I think for the little things, playing without a, a half shield, so many guys were more aware of it. I feel like guys kept their sticks down more. Uh, guys were, that weren't fighters or whatever didn't get as chirpy. I don't know. There, I just think there was a lot of little things not having the, the visor were good for. It's also more I, – I, I know this is probably going to sound silly for anybody that – um, hasn't been in the situation, but it's it's more social when you're out there and you don't have the visor on. It's like less of a barrier. Guys are like joking with each other and stuff. You get, I don't know. I I, I find it like that. Oh, just one second. One second. Uh, one second. Hello. I'm I'm. I know I'm on the air. I'm on the air though now, ma'am. I told you I. I can call you back. I'm on the air. You know what she was saying. Get a picture with Corson. I'm going to play in Truro tomorrow. Yeah. And uh, an, an NHL alumni game, George LaRock, Course, Andre Waugh, and Joey McDonald. I, I, that, that's who I know. I'm not sure who else. That's just, I saw it on a sheet earlier where like sharing a van or something. But anyway, I told mom, now when I was 19, speaking of guys that are older, that, that are, you know, you look up to, Course would have been 31, I guess. Mm -hmm. He was a captain of, St. Louis played on Edmonton and got traded to Montreal. So that was 96, 97. 
And anyway, my mom happened to be there. And Chorus, who didn't know she was there, we were just going out for a pregame meal. And he came over and sat with me and he goes, you went eighth overall, eh? I go, yeah. He goes, so did I. He goes, you shoot left. I go, yeah. He goes, so did I. He goes, 50 goals and fucking 200 plus penalty minutes. I said, yeah. And he goes, just like me. He goes, you and I are going to get along fine. And he grabbed my shoulder and nice to meet you. I'm Shane Corson. And to this day, honestly, like best buddies, even when I, you know, awesome. you, you really find it, you know, because I got sent down like Mark Recchi and Patrice Brisebois, and there's so many up there, Vinny Dumfus, that were really nice to me, almost like big brothers or father figures in a way. I was 19. But, you know, you, you move on, and they, you know, there's a lot of people that come in out of your life. But, of course, like, true to his word, like, you know, didn't matter. I was in the minors, senior hockey, always call or text with yeah. a joke or, you know, hey, what's what the fuck's going on? Always get me gigs to signing here and there and just, you know, a, a genuine a, a genuine life teammate, you know? Yeah. Well, I think in the hockey world, if you're, you know, somewhat a good guy, uh, you know what, everyone will, you can get along with anybody, you know, uh, you got the few anomalies where they, uh, you know, you're hated on by your teammates and you're hated by the other team. You know, those, those don't happen uh, very often. And I, that's what I love about hockey. Cause I feel like most of the guys are really good guys. That is, uh, I don't know the reason. I don't know if it's a lot of from small towns. I really don't because it costs a lot of money to play hockey. And you would think that it would be somewhat elitist. And I know in some places it is, but for the most part, if you ask, and I know a lot of reporters, I don't want to put words in anybody particular in their mouth, but the vast majority say, <clears throat> if you take the big four sports, if you want to say MLB, NBA, uh, NFL, NHL, and of course, there's exceptions and everything else. And we all know great athletes that are humble. Or speaking of athletes that are humble, that are great, Patrick Mahomes, right? I mean, mm -hmm. but they all say that they'd they'd ten out of ten rather uh, interview a hockey player. You know, you're when it comes to the treatment. I don't mean in what they're going to say. I mean, I'd rather mm -hmm. Kyrie Irving than any hockey player. Like when it comes to what he's going to say, but the way they treat the media, their availability. Uh, yeah. manners, things like that, you know, and I don't know, maybe it's just what we're taught early I on. I also think the relationship with the fans, I, I think it's hockey is probably one of the better ones, uh, as well. Like, yeah, there's, there's no, definitely that. Um, and again, I know I'm going to get piss mail from people that I'm, I'm not saying that the other sports aren't highly engaged. Some of them in more ways than others. Mm -hmm. I just mean generally, Hockey players are the easiest to deal with for the media. Let's say that the easiest to deal with. I, yeah. You know, I don't know about a big fish or a quote that you want to fish out or a, a certain, you know, outfit, you know, who knows? We, we, we've, I guess those loud kind of personalities are a little less common in hockey, but for the most yeah. part, I like where it is. I like that our best player coming up, Connor Bedard, and, and, you know, the the best we've had in years, a generational player, as much as we can see, is extremely humble and actually said at the World yeah. Juniors, listen, guys, can you take a break and stop talking about me? Right. Yeah. I, mean, I thought that was uh, that was pretty amazing. Uh, I, 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 I recall that. And, uh, you know what I mean? That's uh, he's a special player and uh, it's really nice to watch. And uh, yeah. You know, I mean, at first, uh, when I first heard his name, you know, and I was like, I don't know, I don't know. But then when you actually really watch him, it's pretty phenomenal. In this day and age where there's a yeah. lot of parody out there, right? Like, yeah. it's not as easy to just pick apart these players of world-class caliber. And he does it like like it's the 80s. Um, it's funny, I, I work on a film set for the most part. And uh, three different people that I convince every year, I'm like, or, you know, you go into the film set water cooler kind of talk those who are into hockey are into it those who aren't aren't so a lot that aren't i i talk they'll go like well maybe i should watch a game or two so i'll get them to watch right. and you know what's funny they all bring up that i don't even think about it they go what they can't believe about hockey is that we can change on the fly and i never thought about that but think of the other sports so you gotta get a whistle <laughs> right people are like jesus what's going on he's going off and he's coming i go yeah yeah you can just do that what do you mean you can just do that how do you count how many people are out there i'm like oh I, trust me when you get used to it there's 
there's a real uh, there's a knack to it. And then they also can't believe that we get interviewed during the game. And I never really thought about that either. But it's no. not like between between quarters or halves in any other sport or innings, you see players go up in the media booth and get interviewed. Right? Yeah, but it true. happens all the time in Hockey Night in Canada or whatever it is, and ESPN, whatever it is, TNT. Yeah, like right on the ice during a game on the bench. It's that wild. happens on the bench now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was weird enough when it was it was like during the you know just after the period but now it happens like literally on the bench um that's wild okay now a little bit more trivia and then you can go actually i didn't realize it's always time flies talking to you rocket richard had 50 goals in 50 games in 1944-45 it was his third year in the league how many other years did he have 50 goals okay i have no idea i'd just be guessing i would say uh Five? Zero. That fascinated me. That year, he wasn't even the leading scorer on his team. Elmer Locke was. And at the end of his career, he had 970 games played, and he didn't have a point a game. I I was astounded. I'm like, Rocket, the Rocket Richard. Yeah. Like, what? I had no idea. Now, he had 544 goals overall. I mean, he could score. He was obviously... The rocket, I mean, for a reason. But I just figured, yeah, it wasn't until 68-69 that Bobby Hull had 54 goals. He was the first person ever to get more than 50. Um, anyway, yeah, I, I found that interesting. Not that I'm putting down the rocket. The rocket, if it was, you know, he, he kind of, he's like Elvis to me. He uh, fused eras together in a way that really not only kept the sport interesting, but made it almost compelling the way he did it and, you know, how competitive he was. And he, no one had ever scored 50 goals, and he scored 50 goals in 50 games in 44-45. Um, so anyway, the Rocket was a great player. I just thought, yeah, I had this idea that he was like, he led the NHL in scoring for like 10 years in a row. No, it wasn't the case. And, you know, rarely did he have a point of game. But anyway. Great nickname, though. Yeah, and you know he did more for the Montreal Canadiens than most ever, and and, and probably a lot would argue he was the number one Mon- Montreal Canadian ever. <laughs> um, meaning, I, I don't mean that. I didn't frame that question trying to put down the rocket. I was just surprised. Um, what year do you think offsides got introduced into the NHL? Hmm. Eighty eight. I'm going to say I don't know. I feel like. In the 50s? 1930, but this is the thing. So in 1920, and I know this is going back, but like there was a time like people were alive, like this, you know, a decade's a decade. You couldn't make a forward pass at one point. Then they got rid of that, and you could do whatever. And then in 1930, they came up with offsides, which is what it is Mm -hmm. now. Now, a penalty would be if you like say hooking or holding like a penalty, you got a penalty shot and that was a slap shot or any kind of shot from this hash marks. Okay. So the game was way different. Yeah. And I often, and if you happen to play like between 1920 or 21 and 1930, it, it would have been like between offsides and not being able to pass it forward, but it was just like roller hockey. You could go anywhere. So, I guess like Cyclone Taylor's numbers, Newsy Lalonde, these guys' numbers would have been a bit inflated. Like, I, you know, mm-hmm. it's, weird. it's weird because I look at it and people, traditionalists now would go, oh man, like I can't believe they got rid of hooking and holding or, you know, the red line. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's a big thing. But hockey was always changing. Like, yeah, that's what I like about it. Yeah, I, see, I, exactly. You can be a hockey fan. My point was, I get a lot of traditionalists that, you know, they wanted exactly like it was in 1987 when they were 10 years old and it was their game. You know, like every single rule, they want the same. And it's not always going to be like that. And it can't, you know, for many, no, many well, reasons. find ways to do, make it so you have to put new rules in. Like, yeah, know, there's, there's so many things that happen. 
like at some point it was I, I don't know if it was Giguer or one of those guys, the goalies started wearing this gear that was outlandishly big, and you gotta make a rule. But it's always going to be like that. Someone's mm-hmm. gonna get a one up. Terry Sawchuk, uh, you know, um Jerry Cheevers with the first guys wearing masks, yeah. Jacques Plant, you know, it would have been seemed Oh, that's a way around the rule. They don't want people raising it, so they're going to put a mask on. Now they can go down faster. Yeah, that's what happens. The sport yeah. evolves and rules Got come better. out of it. <laughs> yeah, right? Normally for the better. Normally for the better. Um, there's always things that can be improved on, but I think there's a game. that I think the game's in a decent spot. Um, one of the things, what would I like? I think we're in this spot now that clean hits – I mean, there was always hits, but now all of a sudden, Jacob Trubu threw two fucking clean hits the other oh, night. Awesome it turns hits. into it turns into a fight right away, and that's yeah. new. It, I guess that's new. I mean, I don't know. I guess it happened once in a while back in the day. It's hard to really tell. Those you could tell they were fairly solid. I mean, if if someone in my area went out and fucking hit the goalie, I would fight them. But if it was a clean hit at center ice, I don't really know if it was required. Now that's the most physical part. It's almost seen. It's so mm-hmm. rare. It's almost seen as. Yeah. yeah, you know, like, something uh, that you need to react to. You hit, you got to fight now. Yeah, I mean, there. Oh my God, there's a hit, so you got to fight. You know, you can't yeah. hit us. It used to be a dirty hit. If it's a dirty hit, then right. it's fucking go time. But if I'm playing a game and Scott Stevens hit Mark Recchi coming across the line, I wouldn't feel compelled to get up and fight for him. He's my team. Now that's changed. I would if it was any other situation. If it was dirty, or if. Yeah. A fucking tough guy fought one of our small guys, or someone ran the goalie. I guess things change, uh, but I need. Yeah. I was. Well, what was dirty then was considered, or dirty now is considered clean then. <laughs> yeah, I well, if, if to me it was, it was like if I went down in a fight and and whoever I was fighting like didn't didn't keep hitting me. That's that's a bit of a code to me. If I got my head going down through the middle, and I get hit. I that's my own fault. Yeah. You know, I, I shouldn't have it's a it's a barbaric way to look at it, I guess. But I didn't expect anybody put it that way. If someone hit me from behind, I would expect someone to get right. in there. Well those are things that we learn from as a kid too, right? Like we're taught yeah. that like, you know, keep your head up, always be aware, you know, and even more so as you move up the levels. Yes. And 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 not only I can even see it, like I remember Brendan Witt. Yes, given that a couple times. I remember hitting Lankow coming across the middle. Same sort of thing. And I did fight him, but it was because I was just sick and tired of it. And I went up. It was in a next whistle. And I went, and I'm, and that's, I, I think I lost the fight. But I remember saying, you know, hey, you want to fucking go? You're going to keep running at us? I'm gonna, but it wasn't like a reactionary thing. It, I remember thinking that was clean. Like, I, I got no reason to jump at him here in the middle of the player. I'm almost going to look unsportsman like doing that. Uh, I'll ask him later in the game and just, you know what? You fucking lay off. But it wasn't as reactionary for this clean hit. Now, the long way around it, I'm rambling. I only said that because that's what I think is a little needs a little tweak, or maybe in the culture of the game. What do you think now could be changed? Uh, instigator rule, penalty shot, overtime. Like, what? What would you? I think they need to get rid of the shootout. Gotcha. And I like it. I actually really like the shootout. It is neat, great to watch to see the skill on these guys. But I think now that they've gone to the three-on-three, eventually the goal is going to come. So play till there's a goal. Because three-on-three, it's going to happen. Guaranteed. Fuck me, man. That's a great answer. And that's what I often say. People people that look at me and say, well, you know, you can't have these games going for six and seven extra periods. I'm like, no, it would never do that in three-on-three. That's definitely impossible. It's impossible. It's not going to go 10 minutes. Like, yeah. you know, it usually – and even – if you look at the games that after overtime it goes into the shootout, I mean, it happens. It happens quite frequently. But usually during that time, like, there might be a minute left and someone, like, there's a defensive way to play it too. You're often looking up and you wait and you wait. If you were, if you knew it was going to be over when a goal was scored, you know, I think it would be a little more run and gun. Like, sometimes I can get it and just go back in my own own. I can get a rest while I'm out there in three-on-three, mm-hmm. Right. It's a, it, it, I know it's fast, and you're like, less people are on the ice. Like, I really don't see that being a problem. If I was playing, and I knew that, and the points would be counted, if I score a goal, it's counted in the standings or in the score sheet. I would want to play all night. I'm like, it wouldn't bother me one bit. Right. No, I totally agree. Uh, uh, 
okay, last question. I thought you were about to sing there. You're getting your uh, music voice <laughs> ready there. No, well, first of all, are you like do you, do you are you working with the hockey schools? Do you have anything to promote? Do you have any merch to sell for your show? You know what? You got, right right now, I'm uh, I'm being a dad and loving every minute of it. So right now, my number one focus with that and the game sports show, uh, those are the you know the two most important things in my life, and uh, that's uh, you know I don't I always say you can't put a price on free time, and my free time is with my boys, and uh, that's what I'm loving right now. And that's, like I said, for the most part, right? You're from St. Catharines and you're back there yeah. a little bit, but you're in Sault Ste. Marie. That's right. Yeah. And yeah, where can people find you? On, where can they find you on social media? Uh, you can uh, reach me at uh, Brooksy4949. Uh, the Game Sport Show is the easiest way. TheGameSportShow.com. Uh, you know, TGEM. Uh, there's there's so many ways that way through the show, and that's probably the best way. So here's what I'm going to do. When I find out my schedule for Sudbury, I'm going to I'm going to let you know my itinerary, so to speak, my loose itinerary. Things change on a film set, weather, for one thing, but for the most part, I know the days that I'll be working in the weeks. Right. So let's do that. If it's not snowshoeing or fucking fishing or hunting or whatever, I don't mean just because I'm in northern Ontario. I mean like fuck, go to a Go to a Greyhounds game or or yeah. a Wolves game or this time. What I'm saying is that it's going to be opening up. We got a lot more, and I want to really take in Northern Ontario. I want to go to the restaurants. Yeah. I want to uh, you know meet more locals in social settings and all of the like. So let's do that. Let's keep in Absolutely. touch over the next uh, couple months and let's make a plan. And I'll come see you in Sault Ste. Marie. Sounds awesome. Look forward to it, brother. Okay, Brooksy, thanks a lot, folks. Thanks tuning in for tuning in, sorry, to 141B of Tales with TR. If you're downtown St. John's and you want to go for a beer, why not? Go to the Bull and Barrel, TJ's Pub, Rob Roy Confusion, the Martini Bar, Greensleeves Pub, and the Bull and Barrel. And if you're going for a bite to eat, why not? Why not go to Merchant Tavern, Blue on Water, or Wedgwood Cafe? I love to eat at those places and drink at those establishments, but then again, if you're out, why not support local? Either way, there's all kinds of great bars and restaurants in downtown St. John's and wherever you are. People need the help, especially after the pandemic. So support local. If you're looking to work out, look no further than Rope Walk Lane, Ryan Power, power conditioning for the strength, for strength and balance in the body and mind. I'm living proof that working out there has uh, really put me in a positive spin for the winter time. I'm not just saying that. I'm working out for a reason, and I chose Ryan Power, and he's really, really making a difference. It's not just physical, it's mental. So check it out, Power Conditioning on Rope Walk Lane. Live, Laugh, Lube, Mr. Lube, two locations. Torbay Road and Kenmount Road, and of course, True Hockey, take what's yours. Folks, I'll be back in just a few days. Next week, we have Andrew Shaw. The week after that, Darren Langdon and Darren Coburn. Should be pretty exciting. Keep enjoying it. Happy hockey season. The playoffs are coming soon, and I will catch you on the rebound.